Tank, we're back, mate. How how have you been? <laughs> it's been a while, mate. It's been a while. I'm good. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. You're looking great. You got a bit of a tan going on there. Just come back from Turkey, haven't I? Oh, look at this, living the life. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice, mate. Something changed. First time I've been to Turkey. Yeah, I, I have to say, mate, the amount of comments we have on uh, on the Twitter profile asking. Where's Tank? Why isn't he on Twitter? Can you give uh, everyone a little bit of um, background as to why you've not been on Twitter for a while? Well, I made a passing comment, which I think it was the right comment, where they called Boris Johnson a cunt, which has been proven right. And Twitter have banned me for life for that comment. And is it, is it a live that... job? Is it a live job, yeah? Well, I've just, yeah, I mean, I've not really tried to get it back. It is what it is, mate. You, you know, it's just one of them where I tried. He said, no, I committed a hate crime. Jesus. <laughs> I've said much worse on Twitter, by the way, than I was, that. I was going to say, yeah, I could probably reel off about 20 more instances yeah. in a week of honestly, what you've said that's honestly, worse than that. I've called good mates on Twitter a lot worse than what I call BJ. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, to be fair, mate, of, of all the things to be banned off Twitter for, I think that's that should be a medal of honour at this stage. It should be. I was going to get hold of Elon Musk and ask him, you know, we stuck over, can I have a back, but... I'll, I'll, I'll put a word in. I'll put a word in for <laughs> you, mate. I'll get it sorted. And uh, and how's things going? Keeping yourself busy with the horses? Yeah, the horses are going really well, mate. I had a nice winner at Sutherland on Friday. Long story. I didn't even get there. Missed the race. Me card. I was charging me card. And oh, it's an absolute, it was just a, a shit show on Friday, honestly, mate. And my yeah, car's still stuck at the service station. But the horses are going well for me, mate. I'm enjoying it. Ah, good, to, glad to hear it. And and for those listening that are probably wondering where Christy is, uh, he was due to be on tonight, but he's got his folks over. Uh, they're coming to visit him in America for the first time in over two years. So uh, he's spending a bit of quality time with his with his folks, and he will be back next week. So, Al, uh, me and you talking about a Merseyside derby without Christy here to mediate. Uh, what yeah. could potentially go wrong? <laughs> Nothing, nothing. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's. Let's let's be honest. Look, big game at the weekend. Liverpool versus Everton. There's been a hell of a lot made of the game uh, in the news. The fallout from it has nearly been as entertaining as the game itself. What first of all, before we dive into some of the main talking points, what did you make of the game? It was the, it was the type of game I thought it would be. You know, Everton were never going to come out. Um, play which they, they can't play expansive football anyway because you know um, they're, they're a dreadful side there's no two ways about that they're in the position with the end because they deserve to be but they were never going to come out and play open football but I was a little bit disappointed in how they were I just felt there was a lot of cheating going on from Everton like Richarlison honestly it, it was actually come to the stage where I was thinking like, I've got to turn this off because I can't stand watching players like him he's just a cheat he's a cheat on, he's a cheat on the pitch and he, he cheats Everton for me as well because he's not someone who put the full shift in for the, for that club when they need it. But I was watching some of his stuff going around, and he gets his mate boot because he volleys for Beanie, and you're just like, it was a this, it was, it was a poor game. If I'm being honest, I just thought it was kind of one of them. I was speaking to the mate of mine today, and he was like, Do you know what? I hope they don't go down because you miss the derbies. And I was like, really? Because for me, the derbies at the minute are the two worst games of the season. Yeah, I'll be honest. I was, like... I was the same. I, I was the same. I think going into going into that match, look, I like yourself. You know, gr growing up a red, the biggest game for me as a kid growing up was was Liverpool Everton, and probably yeah. just because I was surrounded by Blues and Liverpool were terrible at derbies when I was a kid. So it was it it meant more because I'd get more abuse. Whereas over the years and me moving to Ireland now, it's the bigger game is is Liverpool versus Manchester United. It always has been, and it's been a weird one. I, 
it's not. I've never really hated Everton. You know, they're just they're just Everton. You, you know, but I think going into this game, I I, I was kind of saying to myself, look, I want them to stay up. You know, two big games a season. Uh, you know, brings the city together. I can wind up my cousins. They can wind up me. But then. Having seen how that game panned out and the nonsense after it and the nonsense during it, I think I'd actually be happy to see them go down at this stage. I I mean, it's just a nothing game at the minute because, like, when I was growing up, I'm a bit older than you, Jamie, and I was growing up with the likes of, you know, uh, your Peter Reed and the Everton side and your Graham Sharp, and they were, a pro- they were a proper side, and Liverpool were a proper side, and they were going toe-to-toe, and you were our two teams who'd kick lumps out of each other, but had quality as well, and the games were... They were open, they were attacking, they were like, they were like, wow, what a game of football that was. Now, I mean, I watched some of the comments from the, the like the likes of Jamie Carragher last night, where and I was quite shocked what he said when he was like, What I will say is, where's that Everton side been all season? And I'm like, what does that mean? If Everton play like that till the end of the season, Everton will get relegated. Because they never wanted to attack. They played in two banks of five, basically eleven men behind the ball. If Everton go and play like that against Watford away, they're going to get beat. Well, they're certainly not yeah. going to win. They're yeah, not going I, to win I, the game. Yeah, I found it strange, to be honest. I think what I've tried to take from a lot of the comments, because look, like yourself, I love the dark arts, right? So, and a lot has been made about Everton's approach to the game. You know, they, in, in my eyes, tried to replicate maybe something that Chelsea had done, um, you know, to success with yeah. Jose Mourinho when he was manager, slow the game down, try to quieten the crowd, get us frustrated, This, you know, make our play disjointed. Um, and basically, for want of a better word, sort of scum the way through a 90-minute game yeah. and, and hope for the yeah. best. Now, for me, this is an Everton team that's quite ex- expensive in terms of the money that they've spent on it. You know, there's footballers in that team I think a little bit too much has been made on Everton's approach. They had an outball of Anthony Gordon running in a straight line fast, which got them up the pitch a couple of times. But other than that, I thought it was more that Liverpool didn't show up in the first half. They didn't move the ball particularly well. They played quite safe, square passes. Um, but in the second half, you know, a football match is, is 90 minutes long. Liverpool turned up the heat, moved the ball properly. They had direct runners in behind and, and it was very difficult for Everton. Do you think, have you been surprised by the response in the media towards the game itself? I just think, I just every time I see someone talking about it, they were like, it was kind of like, if Everton play like that till the end of the season, they'd be okay. And I'm like, they won't. Because they won't win a game of football playing like that. It's okay, Anthony Gordon going down. And look, I, I do like that boy. He's a good player. He's a talented boy. He's got a little bit of that diving into his game, which needs to come out of his game. But he, he's a threat. But you took him out of that Everton side. There was actually zero, zero threat from them at all. I mean, I seen a stat the other day. The, the, I don't know whether we sent it into the, the WhatsApp group of Alan. He had six passes, two complete, and two of them were from the kickoff. So yeah. he, he he passed the ball six times in the game, give it away four times. So in my opinion, he's had a hundred percent pass unsuccess rate, if you know what I mean. His only yeah. successful pass we found to play was the kickoff. Yeah, yeah. Now, come it's, on, this it's, is the it, Premier it, it, League. This this is the Premier League. These are Premier League players, supposedly. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it, look, it, it, there's been some interesting stats like Everton, you know, come out, I think, with one of the re- lowest record uh, stats in terms of ball possession. I think it was 18 percent. I mean, I, I don't read too much into that because, look, if you, if you use it effectively and you go long and you're creating chances, that's not too much of an issue for me. It was more around the stalling of the play, um, yeah. you know, the, the time wasting. Um, 
you know, and even when Everton did get the ball, it's not even like they tried to to play. I I seen them just hockeying the ball into touch. It, look, there's many ways to skin a cat. I just think for the players that Everton have, they've got more to offer. Um, you know, and and you mentioned Anthony Gordon there. I have to say, I think he he looks a great player. But the big thing that's come out of that game now is, was it a penalty? What are your thoughts? Do you think it was a penalty? But he cost himself a penalty. It doesn't matter, you know. In my opinion, is there's, there's a little bit of a touch there, and he's gone down easy again. And it's one of them where, and this is not me with my Liverpool hat on. I think you'd be you'd be delighted if you, you got I it. I can't imagine you wearing a Liverpool hat, mate. No, because it won't fit my head. <laughs> but I'm looking at it, and if that was Liverpool and we got a penalty, you'd be like, we were a bit lucky there. Do you know what I mean? And if you didn't get it, you'd be like, well, I can understand why they didn't get it. But the problem with Anthony Gordon is. Is diving in for to try and win a free kick and a penalty before that, that's cost them. So his own cheating has cost them. So I have no sympathy for them in that way because, you know, you can't dive like you did for that first penalty. And it's in the referee's mind and the ref's like, you know, it's going to cost them further down the line. And his diving could potentially cost everything going down. Because say, for instance, they've got, I think they've got Arsenal away in the last game of the season and he gets brought down in the box. The referee's going to go, no, this, this is what this kid does. Is it and a little it, bit it, of Mo Salah syndrome in that Mo Salah in some games tends to be assaulted and he still won't get a penalty? And there's this preconception that Mo, Mo Salah is a diver. Do you think it's a little bit of that? It is because, Mo, as you say, Mo Salah, I think it goes back two seasons with Salah when he did go down easily a couple of times. I'll, granted, yes, he did. But now Mo, I've seen Mo Salah get strangled from a left back from behind and he's wrestling them through to the floor and he doesn't get a free kick. And it does happen. Referees... You know, it, I know they might try and claim they don't, but they do. They, they psychologically just go, this kid dives non-stop. You know, it's not a penalty. He's dives again. And unless it's clear and obvious. One of the things that, that's probably struck me, I think, and, and I suppose we'll get on to Liverpool in a second. I've been surprised a little bit by the response of Everton, um, you know, after the game. Uh, I, I don't know whether it's a, a Lampard thing. I mean, I had concerns, if you will, you know, a Liverpool fan having concerns about Everton. But, I, you know, when it, the appointment was made, I looked at it and thought, oh, I'm not sure he's the man for what Everton need at the moment. And he just seems to have this book of excuses that he rolls out, you know, when yeah. something goes wrong. He, he loves an old excuse. Um, and Everton's response, you know, they've, a lot, they've lodged a, an official complaint now um, regarding the penalty incidents. Uh, Lampard was talking about the, the Mane incidents and how Liverpool could have potentially had players sent off. Maybe conveniently forgetting that, that Richarlison potentially could have been sent off as well. I just feel like there's a little bit of a blame culture with Frank Lampard. And if Everton put half the effort they do as to trying to do the dark arts and, and moan about things as to the keeping the ball and, and trying to create, they'd be in a much better position than they are. I do have, Frank Lampard needs to focus more on the training pitch than all his excuses. His excuses now have become important to me. Frank Lampard shouldn't be the Everton manager. For me, if Frank Lampard's getting a job, he's a project manager. He's someone where you come in and say, that this is the project. You've got three years with a club who's like, possibly what Everton are, but they're not at the minute, like a mid-table club and we've got a project. We want a style of play from you. We want you to bring the youth players through and you've got this kind of budget. That's the type of manager I think Frank Lampard is. Basically, what he'd done at Chelsea, Chelsea wasn't expected to do anything because they had the uh, the embargo on them. And his his mantra was to play a, get a set way of playing, win games, bring the youth through because we can't sign anyone. And I thought he'd done that okay at Chelsea. 
Frank Lampard, for me, is the last person that you should put in charge of a club who's fighting for their lives. Because I don't think he's exceptional at all. In fact, I know he's not exceptional at organisation and coaching. I know people who play for Derby County who had on me coaching badges and they actually played under him. And he'd done absolutely nothing. It was Jody Morris who'd done all of the coaching and the shape and, you know, the set plays and everything. So he's not got Jody Morris with him, who's, who's by all accounts is a fantastic coach. He's not gone with him. So I just think this role for Everton really could bite them because he is not the man. You, you might, Everton might think I'm, I'm taking the piss here, but they need the Sam Allardyce who's going to come in and go, right, we're, a, we're banks of four and we lit on the break. They've got a structure and a way of playing and they stick to that way of playing. Sam Allardyce would have kept Everton in the league. I don't think Frank Lampard's got the capabilities on the training pitch to keep them in the league. I've seen an interesting stat um, on, or an interesting tweet today from Joe Wayman um, on Twitter. And he said, before Lampard took charge of his first game, Everton was 16th, four points above the relegation zone with games in hand on all clubs below them bar Burnley. They're now 18th, two points behind Burnley with one game in hand. Their goals per game, shots, XG and touches in the opposition box are all down. That is not the type of trend that you want to see since a new manager has come in. And when you look at Everton's fixtures list, could, could they go down, Tank? Oh, listen, I think they're down. Really? I was speaking to the mate of man. I think they're down. When you look at Burnley, Burnley's next two fixtures are Watford and I can't think of the other one. Might be Palace, possibly. I can't think of the other one. So, winnable Burnley, game, though. Win, for me, one of them's winnable. I can't think of their teammates. It'll come to me. One of them's winnable and the other one I thought... They could nick a point there. But you look mm. at Burnley's form since Sean Dice has left. They should have beat West Ham away. They missed a penalty to go 2 the up. They drew one all. They beat Southampton and they beat uh, Wolves. They've got seven points in the last three games. Mm. Now, I'm looking at Burnley's next two games and think, if they get two draws out of them two games, the four points ahead of Everton, can you see Everton getting anything against Chelsea or Leicester, realistically? No. So then what you've got to look at, Jamie, is there's three games left and Burnley potentially, if Burnley only draw them two games, the four points ahead of Everton, with a slightly better goal difference with three games left, Everton needs to win two of them games and Burnley win none of the three to get above Burnley. I can't see that happen. Yeah, especially when you think in, if you look at Everton's away record as well, uh, well you know, exactly. it doesn't exactly ins inspire confidence. But, you know, you look at, you look at the squad, the money they've spent, I don't like the phrase too good to go down, but that would be a massive, massive shock to the system if, if Everton get this badly wrong and go down. It would be, but I'm looking at, you know, I looked at Michael Keane yesterday and there was times in the second half, I don't know whether you remember, where he actually had time in the ball and he just volleyed it out of play into the stand. Yeah. And I'm like, you, you're a £50 million centre-half. You paid £50 million for him. There's no one round him. And he's just booming it into the stand. And I'm thinking... What even is that? What is that? Yeah. What part of a manager or a coaching staff could just say, yeah, I'm, I can accept that? If I was on the touchline, I'd have to drag them off and said, what the fuck are you doing? But 1-0 down, you're putting it in the stand. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, again, it could, I, I said it at the start. I think for me, it just comes down to uh, game plan. And if you've basically set out your stall, we don't need the ball. Just keep the ball as far away from our goal as possible and see if we can get through 90 minutes and if we can hit Anthony Gordon on the break. <laughs> Uh, just Everton for me yesterday looked like a team that are 
battling relegation. And I actually thought it was one of the, the worst visiting team performances that I've seen at Anfield in a very long time. So be interesting to see how it all pans out. Um, yep. To Liverpool tank. Um, you know, this is this is a topic we obviously catch up about a lot. Um, there's a lot of talk about the quadruple, which I'll be honest, as a, as a Liverpool fan, I'm not overly enthusiastic about. I just think it's unrealistic to think that, that Liverpool can go on to win four trophies whilst it's still being possible at this moment in time. I, I, I honestly, if I'm a betting man, probably would bet against it just because of the law of averages. It would be some effort. Where where do you rank this this Liverpool team uh, in terms of what they're doing this season? In the history of Liverpool or in football? You pick, mate. I suppose, you know, there's a lot of talk about it being the best Liverpool team ever, ever. But I think, you know, there's a lot of narratives in, in the media around the likes of City and Liverpool and, and the rivalry that it's brought. Is it the best ever? How good is this sort of Liverpool and, and City team against the greats of the Premier League era? Where would you pick them against the others? For me, this is the best Liverpool shield I've ever seen in my lifetime. By a long shot. And the stats and the points tally and everything else tell you it, it has to be. As regarding the best the best team currently, I think this is the best team in world football as it stands now. Man City, and I've been speaking to the Palomino, you know, we went to races with him uh, on Friday. He's a Man City season ticket holder. And he's actually coming round to the fact that we are a better side. And the reason why I think we're a, a better team than City now is we've got many ways to win a game. We didn't play well yesterday and we, 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 we win ugly. We win unbelievable. We can blow teams away. We can defend away from home for 60 minutes and then just counter-attack and hit someone. On. Now, I don't see any other team in world football that can win in every single way. You can win a football match than Liverpool. If you want to try and take us on in power, we'll outpower you. If you want to try and play expansive football, we'll pick you off and destroy you. If you want to come and put two brick walls in, we'll knock it down eventually, as Everton found out yesterday. Now, for Man City, we were a phenomenal, phenomenal side. If Man City can't pass you off the park and, you know, tippy-tappy football and score... They do, you know, I'm not saying they struggle because they don't drop a lot of points, but you can beat Man City in other ways where I just think Liverpool can just do every way of, of winning the game. And I think this is the two greatest club sides that's ever played football in this country, in my opinion. And they're going toe-to-toe, but I just sense the tide is slowly turning towards Liverpool as being the elite of the elite. Yeah, it's it, it's a tough one. I, I look at the Premier League and, and it, do you know what I think it will boil down to? And again, when I do these podcasts, I try not to be too much of a Liverpool fan. You do that job perfectly for the both of us, mate. So I'll, I'll, I'll try to, <laughs> uh, to take my Liverpool hat off. I look at it and I think, I don't think City will drop many points. I don't think Liverpool will drop many points either. I think what could be the big swing in this Premier League race is City in Europe. And exactly. How how big or how taxing will that Madrid game be on the legs? I think if you are Pep Guardiola, I think his priority is the Champions League rather than the Premier League. Um, and I think if there's decisions that have to be made to prioritise that, he will he will do it. Absolutely. So I, I think that could be the swing. Whereas for for Liverpool at this moment in time, and this feels very weird saying this, I actually think Liverpool have a deeper squad than Manchester City. You could you could argue, 
You could argue start versus start and 11s versus start and 11s. But if you're looking at the depth of the bench, and I think you've got to tip your hat to Jurgen Klopp and, and the medical staff for managing Liverpool's minutes very well, because Liverpool have got four, five, six players, if not more. I mean, you've got players that are getting left out of the match day squad that could easily impact games. Uh, you know, yep. the, the likes of Alex Oxley chamberlain uh, Taki Minamino, Harvey Elliott aren't getting, getting stripped on a match day. I think Liverpool's ability to rotate and impact games from the bench could put them in a strong position. I just think it's going to boil down to what impact does this Champions League run have? And and if you were a betting man tank, what do you think City had prioritised? It's not even a debate, mate, in my opinion. You know, for Man City, the fantastic club is what they are and the achievements, what they got, you know, how they got there is irrelevant. You know, they've had more money than anyone, which, listen, I've never been in, I've never been like one to slag them off for that because I would love Liverpool owners to say, we've got any amount of money, you go and do what you do. But Liverpool's done it a different way. So I'll never knock City for doing that. Man City, to, to become the elite of the elite alongside your United's what United's done in the past, your Liverpools and your Chelsea's, they have to win the Champions League. They have to. It's no point going to the semi-final, EG. You have to win that Champions League. I think tomorrow's Real Madrid game, Jamie, will have a huge impact of where the league title goes. I think tomorrow is, is absolutely huge. And the reason for that, if Man City are 3-0 up against Real Madrid, for the second leg, I think it'll have an impact on the sides what he plays. If it's 1-0 and he's got to go to Madrid, I think that he will leave five or six players out of the weekend's game for the following week's fixtures at Real Madrid away. I think he has to do that because he will he will prioritise the Champions League. 110% he'll prioritise it. It's nearly like when you look at what happened in the FA Cup. Uh, Liverpool obviously were able to, they put in a great yeah. performance against Benfica first time around, which meant that they could nearly put out a, a exactly. league cup side in the Champions yeah. League second leg. And what that meant yeah. is for the FA cup, te- uh, cup tie, they were bouncing into that with nearly a fully fit squad, whereas City were bruised, battered, wounded exactly. um, and yeah. stitched up after a, a tough game against Atletico. Uh, I, what, one final thing before we move on to the race for top, uh, top four and a couple of mentions for... Friends of old for you, Tanku. I know you're keen to to discuss, particularly a, a, a man from Manchester uh, who we'll come to in a minute. Um, rivalries, because there was a, I've been dying to have this conversation with someone because there was a lot made on Twitter in the news about this rivalry between Liverpool and City and where it ranks against the the rivalries of old, if you will. Where, where do you put this rivalry in terms of the quality of the, the, the players, the managers, the speed of the game? It's probably not the nastiest in terms of maybe Pizzagate and the likes we would have seen in the past yeah. with United and the Arsenals. Where do you rank this rivalry and what do you think defines it? The rivalry is the, it's the, it's the best rivalry in, in football history. I don't even see it. It's not even a debate. It's that these two teams are going toe for toe year in, year out for the title. The punch tally, what they're getting, is off the charts. You, and Jay, I watched Jamie Carragher at the nail on the head a while ago and I was watching him. A draw is a disaster. It's a defeat now, it's isn't de- it? It's, it's, it's more than a defeat and you're like, really? You've just drew a game, but a draw hands the title to the other team. That's how that's how good these teams are. I think I read somewhere the other day, I might be wrong, Jamie, but it, it's 52 games now since one of these teams... Um, lost lost the game. It, uh, I, I don't know whether it was, it must have been between, but it was like a fifty-two. And you're thinking, it's it's incredible. 
you know, these yeah. teams do not get beat or they, they do not drop any points at all. And I know what you're saying about the Arsenal's and the Man United sides back then, and he was great. But football's changed. You can't you can't do that now. You can't go around kicking shite out of each other. Unfortunately, you know that part of the game I loved, but it's changed. It's faster. It's quicker. It's more aggressive. And I just think, would this Liverpool side beat that Arsenal side? Or beat that United side now. I know you could, but for me, oh, absolutely, mate. They, they wouldn't be able to live with this Liverpool side, for that, and they wouldn't be able to live with the Man City side. They just couldn't. Do you think the game's evolved that power. much? Do you think it's I evolved think it's that evolved. much? It's it's us, mate. It's it's like you know, you watch these players like Mane and Salah, and you know, I love watching Maras and Kevin De Bruyne. They just like they they just they're not even machines, mate. They're like robots. It's like the freaks of nature. These players that they. Really the thing that stood people. out to me when, whenever I watched that Liverpool City game, and you'll know this, you know, obviously having played in the Premier League and, and, and you know, been a defender. And by the way, I have to say, you've probably seen my bracelets here. For those that are going to watch this on YouTube, these were made by my kids. It's not a, it, it's not so, a, a new fashion statement <laughs> that I'm looking for. <laughs> Just caught a glimpse of these lovely, shiny bracelets <laughs> I've got on. Um, I, yeah, I, I always look at the Liverpool City games and I love them. Don't get me wrong. You know, it's, it, it's a brilliant rivalry. I want Liverpool to win. Obviously, there's nerves. But from a footballing perspective, I look at the high lines, right? And you've got Liverpool's defence all the way up the pitch. You've got City's defence all the way up the pitch. The risk-reward. Like, can you imagine, Tank, being a left-back and being all the way up there looking at that space in behind you and you've got Mane and Salah looking to run in beyond you? You'd shit yourself. Oh. Listen, I played with Matty Elliott and uh, Jerry Tucker. And I'm telling you now, <laughs> if we were outside our 18-yard box, we're doing well. And that's when we're attacking. <laughs> so, I mean, honestly, you do. I mean, I, I've I've been vocal about this with you. Like, it drives me mad the way Liverpool does it. But you look at all of the stats and the amount of times that Liverpool win the ball higher up the pitch because of this high line. It's like, they're that good. They're like, we'll give you one or two chances going that way per game. No problem at all. But we'll probably score four or five against you because we'll win the ball that high. And I think an example of that was the semi-final against Man City. I mean, the amount of times we won the ball off them in like their, say, from their touchline to 25 yards out, it was incredible. We were just swamped all over them. And that's the first time I thought, yeah, I understand why you're doing this now. You're just saturating the opposition. You're strangling them. But, yeah. Would I like to play in the high line? I was fucking quick, mate, but I'd still feel like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Just the thought of Jerry Taggart and Matt Elliott looking around on the halfway mate, line. Thinking... They'd be fighting. Taggart would be fighting. I used to go forward and he's like, get the fuck back here, you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Right. We're going we're gonna to move on to the top four, right? Because there's a couple of things that, that I want to touch on. And obviously, Christy being a big Arsenal fan, isn't here to talk about his beloved Arsenal. But obviously, they put themselves in a great position now with a win over Manchester United. Who do you have as your as your favourites uh, for the top four spot? It's kind of been, it's not. I was going to say who blinks first, but it, it's been at times like nobody actually wants that top four spot yeah. the way they've been playing. It's like it's the most unwanted spot in football. They're like the amount of game, like you see Tottenham and you think they're having a the right go now, and then they get they get beat by Brighton. Was it a home? And then yeah. they put in the stinker against was it Brentford? Am I right in thinking? Yeah, I think it was yeah. Brentford. And, they drew, and you're know, like yeah. they don't want it. Then Arsenal. All of a sudden, you look at Arsenal, you think. He's got them right out of the They'll get beat two or three games on the bounce. And the only one you can be without is United. They've got zero chance. So I do yeah. think it's... I think Tottenham and um, Arsenal will get it. It's a, it's, a, it's a weird one because I... 
I look at the, the United situation, and if you were to look at the type of players, uh, you know, if you if you were to look at, um, you know, the stature of the clubs, I it, it I cannot understand for the life of me how it's got so bad at Manchester United. But then you hear these stories; they're getting leaked week after week, week after week. You've had you know multiple managers thrown under the bus. Now they've tried different systems, different approaches. Is it just a case of a bad culture and a bad set of players? And you'll know it better than most, a bad dressing room, Tank. The dressing room must be awful. I mean, I've seen the comments from Paul Scholes about Jesse Lingard. Now, Jesse Lingard, if they, they're speaking like that, you know, we speak off camera and say, is there anything off limits and that? We're like, yeah, but just so back and that. And so Paul Scholes would have asked Jesse Lingard, can I say something? And he would have said, yeah, yeah, no problem. I'm out of contact anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's just, for me, it's a poisonous it's a poisonous dressing room at the minute. And you could just see the no ones together, the clubs disjointed. And it it is it's in a mess. And I'm surprised that the, the new managers actually took the job because he's got a good number at Ajax and you know he he's always gonna be there or thereabouts in their league. There's no real massive pressure because they don't spend big money. I think Man United's a monstrous, monstrous job for someone to come and do and I don't really see how he's going to change it because if they, they're not going to get top four, I mean, let's be honest with you, there's only one spot left and they're a country mile from it. Who are they going to Who's going to want to go to Man U? Seriously, no matter, they can pay the wage, but who's going to want to go, want to, go to Man U and say, yeah, I fancy a bit of that? If you've got a choice of like Arsenal, Tottenham or West Ham or somewhere, you'd rather go to West Ham than Man U. I see. The, the weird thing is when I look at it, right, they need a root and branch job done at that club and... Look, you're looking at Ten Hag. I, I have to say, I've been really impressed with the job that he's done at Ajax. He, he looks yeah. like a coach with a very clear identity. You know, the 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 stuff I've listened to in terms of how he works with players. From that perspective, I think it's exactly what Manchester United need. I think the biggest challenge, though, is how long will he be given? What does success look like in two years? Like, are Manchester United fans going to sit back and go, do you know what? Next season, if we get top four. Um, you know, that's that's success for Manchester United because that I think, you know, Liverpool have been in a similar situation. I think that was the biggest adjustment for Liverpool was that resetting of expectations nearly of fans yeah. to go, do you know what? We're actually miles away here. Top four, take our medicine, building blocks. We're not competing for the title for the next three, four, five seasons, which my, in my opinion, it could take United. And then you've got to look at it and say, well, okay, we need to get players out. So, if my honest opinion now as an, an outsider looking in, Paul Pogba is everything that's wrong with Manchester United. Harry Maguire needs to go. I, I think Harry Maguire is a decent... You used the example perfectly before um, of, of Taggart and Elliot, right? If, if you're defending your 18-yard uh, your box, Harry Maguire is a solid defender. Yeah. But if you're pushing Harry Maguire up the pitch and expecting him to defend spacing behind, he's like a, a, a fish out of water. I think exactly. he's a problem. I actually, and we'll bring up your mate, I actually think one of the biggest problems is Bruno Fernandes. And I look at Bruno Fernandes, I think he's a luxury player. You've been very vocal on this. I think when you set up a team to get the best out of Bruno Fernandes, you know, he can deliver. But the petulance, the throwing the arms around, I think Ten Hag has to look at this squad and get rid of some very, very big players before he even starts to look at a playing style and a recruitment. What do you think? The problem with United's got James, how are you going to get rid of Harry Maguire? 
How are you going to get rid of Bruno Fernandes? I've said from day one about Bruno Fernandes, and when he was scoring 16, 17, 18 goals a season, he's a cheat. He's a cheat, and he's not a team player, and he affects the team in a negative way. Now, I've been. Do you mean cheat as in he, he he only runs one he only runs one way he, the defensive side of the game? Yeah, he had he had this in Portugal where he he was the main man, and he basically was like, "You do what you do, everybody else get the ball to him and do his running for him." Now, I've never thought he was good enough to do that. Portugal to the Premier League, the different kettle of fish. Oli Gullar-Solskjaer allowed him to do whatever he wants. We've we've seen details of him, and I've said to you, he's, the amount of balls where he kicks out of play or gives away with bad passes and just like basic, really pathetic play. But then he might score an unbelievable goal and everyone's like, oh, he's unbelievable. Him. And I'm like, well, he's not, you know, he's not unbelievable because he's given about 24 passes away in this game. But he gets in positions where people don't mark him because he's cheating and he scores a goal. Now, for a £50, £60 million player, I want a bit more than a cheat. And mm. I've been, you know how vocal I've been on this lad for a long time. He's just a luxury player. And I think I'm now being proved right because he's one of United's biggest problems. He's being asked to play centre midfield as a three or out wide, but to have a role and be disciplined under this new United manager. And he's been found out. He's awful. He's one of the worst United players every single game. Now, the issue with him, Jamie, I know you're saying this new manager may come in. He's just signed a new deal for 300 grand a week, Fernandes. So, yeah. if the new manager comes in and goes, you know, he's not my cup of tea. Where's he gone? Where is he gone? Because they can't pay. It's like De Gea. If you remember Mourinho with the roof over De Gea when he signed a new £350,000 a week deal, when he was possibly one of the worst goalkeepers in the Premier League at that time. What does, what does success what does success look like for Man United now? You know, if 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 Ten Hag comes in, you know, next season, you know, realistically, who do you, who do you think they could go out and get? If if you asked me, I I I'd sell the houses to try and get uh, Declan Rice in. I think he's exactly what Manchester United need. Who who do you think is a realistic target, and what do you think is a realistic target in terms of where they finish? Why would Declan Rice want to go to Man United? That's the other. That's the other problem. This lad, for me, is I think he's top draw. I don't mm. think he'd look out of place in the Liverpool shirt. I think he's that good. He's got everything in his game. Why would he want to go to Man United? You know, no disrespect. Do you not still to him, think, think that think they've got? They've not still got a, an allure to, to these players. You know, Declan Rice, who you know is, is, I would assume, have ambitions to go on and potentially captain England. You know, play consistent European football. I know I've just said that, and United probably won't be in the Champions League next year. But you know, this is this is Manchester United. It is a big step up. It's a it's a massive club. Still one of the biggest in the world. You don't think they have the same pull? No, I don't think they have the same pull at all, Jamie. I mean, you've just said that Declan Rice wants to leave Crystal Palace, uh, sorry, uh, West Ham, to play Champions League football. West Ham and Man United are not going to be playing Champions League football next season, but I'm looking at that West Ham side and that United side. Now, with the issues, what's surrounding the club, the problems, the new manager, this is the third or fourth new manager they've had in God knows how long. If I'm Declan Rice, Man United, it's the last club I'll go to. I'll be sitting there hoping that Man City come in, Liverpool come in, a Chelsea come in, if New Orleans come in today. That's what I'm looking at. I certainly wouldn't be, you know, telling me agents, yeah, go and see what uh, Man United offer. Not a chance. I and mean, you, you know what's funny United as well? Be... Sorry, mate. Go on, sorry, mate. No, go on. I was just going to say as well, if you look at the likes of uh, Sancho, who come with massive expectations, you look at the likes of Pogba, come with, with undoubted talent, you know, whatever else you think about Paul Pogba, he, he technically he has ability. You look at how the careers 
of trajectory of these players. Sancho's only been there a, a wet day and he looks half the player he was. So exactly. if you're the likes of a, a Declan Rice, you're looking at it and thinking, Jesus, I, you know, I'm not sure I can I can play that game of roulette with my career, you know? Well, that's it. I mean, Jordan, see, it's, anyone with Alpha Bain knows that Jordan Sancho must be regretting that move to United. One, he doesn't play all that often. Two, he looks, as you've just said, he's a shadow with the player who's at Bruce. I watched him at Bruce Dortmund and was like, Jesus, this boy's special. And we've seen little tiny flashes of it every now and then. So I think they're a club who's going to have big, big problems, I'm being honest with you. You know, you look at you look at the age of the team as well, Jamie. They're the, a very, very old team. If I was a betting man now, Tanquan, I'm gonna to have to put your, your neck on the line. Who gets top four and who gets the who gets who gets the Premier League over the line? Who wins the Premier League? Yeah, who wins the Premier League? Liverpool. Top four. Top four. Obviously Liverpool, City, Chelsea, and I'm gonna go with Arsenal. You've made Christie very happy. To be fair, as well, you have got to give uh, Arteta a, a tip of the cap. You know, a tip of the cap. Oh, yeah. yeah. he, I'd say probably looking at those sides competing. You know, Arsenal, Tottenham, United, West Ham have fell away a little bit. I'd say Arsenal probably have the clearest identity. You know, it's an That's Arsenal it. side. It's a young side. They're going to build. Um, and I think it'd be interesting to see what he can do. You know, Champions League back at the Emirates. You know, a bit of money, a bit of an investment, see if, how we can kick on. I have to say, I've been impressed with Mikel Arteta. What about yourself? I think he's done unbelievable. I mean, you look early on in the season, he was getting questions because they were near the foot of the table, I think it was this season. Mm. But he's he's never changed his philosophy or identity. And this is where, we're, I'm not going on about Manu again, but this is where, you know, even under Oli Golosowski, we were like, how does he play? Arteta's got his philosophy, he's got a style of play, and he's stuck to it. Whether he's getting results or not, he's stuck to the belief of how he wants to play. And, I think they had a proper exciting, the, the young squad. You look at that front three, you beat Chelsea the other, the other day, and you're like, you know, these are only 20, 21-year-old kids who were like ripping Chelsea to shreds in some areas. I think he's, 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 I think he's got to be, a, if he gets Champions League, I think it's as good, as good a job as anyone's done in the Premier League. I honestly do. Right, before we wrap up, Tank, right? I want to uh, finish on one final topic, which is something close to my heart at the moment, because I don't know about you, but I found it incredibly frustrating uh, this season, more than others, is the standard of punditry that is out there at the moment. And, you know, you haven't been on Twitter for a while, but when you <laughs> before before you, you, you made a, a, an exit, you used to lock horns with a few uh, pundits every now and then. Um what do you make of the the level of punditry? Because you know, to name a few at the moment, you know, you've got you've got some interesting characters on talk sports. You know, Kenny Cunningham, uh, you know, over here in Ireland. I mean, some of the shouts that that he's made uh, are absolutely bananas. Um, Gary Neville, who I think is in- incredible at his job, seems to be a little too emotional when it comes to Manchester United, and that probably blinds yeah. his ability to be, um, you know, unbiased. I, I think Carragher gets a lot of stick. Uh, you know, I think Everton fans are calling his commentary. Uh, you know, after the derby, what do you make of the level of punditry at the moment? Are there, are there any particular pundits that stand out for you in a in a good or a bad way? At the level of it, shit. Even being honest, you know, I watched Talksport the other day, and I, 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 I did the send it to you. Uh, I don't know. What, I think don't think I did send it to you. It was uh, Trevor Sinclair with Simon oh, yeah. Jordan and uh, on Talksport? I mean, come on. I mean, he. 
talk about clueless. He's arguing, saying that Man City, Man City have, have not bought anything or anyone, and he. He was actually ending ending up arguing against himself by the end of the conversation. I'm like, is this fella for real here? And I've seen some of the comments with Kenny Cunningham and you know, Gally Neville's comments shocked me. I do like Gally Neville, I think he's top draw, but when you watch him and he's saying the kid who's coming round trying to top people for Man United and he's like, you know, I'm proud of him. I'm like, fucking hell. Really? That makes you proud that is that where man you are now? That you're hoping that he might break a Liverpool player's leg because he's a United lad who showed a bit. I don't think Carragher should comment on games. I don't think that's his bag, if I'm being honest with you. You think he's uh, better Monday I'm, night football? I think he's Monday night football in the studio. I like him there. And don't even get me started on Martin Tyler. Because I'll get banned from I'll get banned from this. <laughs> no, you, this is a safe space, mate. Even you. Well, actually, you probably could get banned. No, you, no, you won't. But uh, yeah, it, I don't know. It, it seems weird for me because I, I, I don't want to see... I just feel like a lot of pundits are searching for headlines now rather than, yeah. you know, having somebody come in who is not necessarily articulate, but you, you just want to get a sense of their personality. You want to learn something from somebody. Like I, I always like when, you know, when we have our chats and you're able to, you go back into your career and you tell us stories about behind the scenes stuff that we wouldn't be privy to, whether that's dressing room, tactical, uh, insight into the to the psyches of the managers and the players, or, you know, from a tactical perspective, you see somebody come in and, and they're breaking down the tactics like Carragher and Neville on Monday Night Football do, do excellently. But there just seems at the moment this clamour for shocking headlines and, yeah. You know, put, jump, jumping on the biggest stories and trying to be controversial. Like I seen uh, Trevor Sinclair yesterday, who cannot take his city glasses off. And he's basically no. trying to claim that, you know, Liverpool were given the points against Everton and how it's an outrage. And you only have to go back a few games to when Manchester City got the horrendous decision in their favour against Everton, the handball. Yeah. You have to yes. look at the yeah. Wolves game where that, it was the handball, I think, against Moutinho. These yep. games literally gave City six points. I just feel like a lot of pundits need to take a step back and maybe look at it and go, do you know what? I've got to try and be objective here. But it just seems like there's a, a big gap in the market for a really well-informed, level-headed pundit, which is where you come in, Tank. You're always a level-headed. <laughs> <like that. laughs> the problem I have, mate, is my I can't. I swear, don't I, Jamie? You do swear, <laughs> just, mate. Yeah, it like... just flows out. <laughs> I swear I think to the God. The best if... thing of it is my Twitter got banned because they can't go back and say, "Well, he said this on Twitter, but it's gone now." <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? If there's two things you're known for, and I have a ten-year-old son, and even he knows now, right? So. If I open a video anywhere in the house, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> and you know, everyone, everyone listening knows the video. Yeah. It's the sex noise video. You could be watching yeah. something, you know, and then all of a sudden she starts screaming. My kids even know that you've sent me the video. Yeah. And the other one is, if I ever open a voice note, every third word, every third word, without fail. Here's a swear word. And it's got to the point now where my son actually just listens to it. It's like, oh, Al again, is it that? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Do you know what it's terrible, mate? But I, I, I won't care, but it, listen, it is what it is, mate. It it's is me. what it is. <laughs> uh, what, one final thing before we finish. How's, uh, how's Jack's footy going? He's doing well at Burnley. Yeah, do you know, he had a tough time, mate. He stopped playing for a while, but he come back and I've, I've never... I actually, for the first time in my life, mate, I should, well, not the first time, for a long time, I actually shed a tear when he got his uh, scholar. He got scholar to Burnley. Um, How did he break the news to you? Were you there? 
Yeah, it'd be done on a, it was on a Zoom because the lockdown, obviously. But I'm just oh, honestly, okay. mate, I've never been as proud as him as I was because he'd come back. He only had basically got told, you know, we've signed players from Man United. We've got kids in from Liverpool because he never, he never went training for two years. And I just, I actually sat down with him and went, listen, son, it, you got your way cut out here. I said, because these have been playing for two years while you haven't. He's literally not kicked the ball, Jamie. He'd not kicked the ball, mate. Kept fit because my daughter's a fitness fanatic, so we kept ticking over. So no football, no running, never. I couldn't even get him in the garden to trap a bag of a ball and nothing. So I said, you got your workouts out, you've got like six months. Went back and the club were like, fucking hell. He's, he's right at it, he, you know. And then he played his first game at Leeds after being back three weeks. Absolutely ran the show. Set a couple of goals up, blew up after 55 minutes, brought him off. And I was like, wow. And then all of a sudden, mate, he's just gone on and on and on. And he's, it, I'm proud of him because he just said, when I told him about the players that he got in, he went, I'll just move them up my way. Don't worry, Dad. And I was like, wow, okay. Now, mate, he's just turned, I mean, he's he's just touching six foot one. He's built like a brick shit house. He's got a two-year scholar and he can't wait to go in the summer, mate. I love it. And what about yourself, mate? Because we've had this conversation a lot. You're not, you've not got the itch to get back into the game at all now? No, mate. I, I, look, I look at... We're not going into too much details. I've done all of the academy stuff and I, I used to love the academy and I used to get great with all the kids. But I was there I was there to get the kids better and make them better and try and help them and guide them with what knowledge I had and just pass them on to them. I wasn't trying to rewrite the, the book or nothing, but... A problem with me with academies is most people in academies are trying to better themselves and not the kids. And I I struggle with that. I struggle with it. So that's why I come out of it, to be honest with you. Yeah, me, me and Christy, the behind the scenes, are, are definitely uh, team tank and trying to get back into the in, into the game. A couple of bad experiences don't define, uh, no, don't define the rest of the clubs. It'd be a shame if you didn't get back in. Yeah, no, listen, maybe one day I'll come back into it, but, you know, for the time being as well, I've just I've wanted to try and get Jack back and support Jack. And then we had the lockdown and that. Maybe in 12 months' time when, you know, Jack's telling me that he doesn't want me to take him anywhere in the football, he's got his own car, I might get back into it. <laughs> or we could see you next to, to your mate, Gabby, at Bon Lahore on TalkSport, mate. You could be, uh, oh, you, you could be beyond that. Listen, I don't mean to be funny. We, we forgot him. He is the worst out of them all. I had a Twitter uh, argument with him before I got I, I remember. Off. Let's not let's not revisit yeah, some of the no, comments, no. Mate, but I do remember it. <laughs> <laughs> we were doing well here. Yeah, let's let's yeah, leave yeah. it. Let, let's leave it leave there. Uh, but mate, we're back. We've got the we've yeah, got we, the first one. First one in the can. We'll have Christy back with us. Um, no, it's good to good to get us back. And and for anyone that has been contacting us. You know, while we've been away, um, thank you all for your support. We're going to try and give this a crack again. Um, people seem to enjoy it last time around. So um, we're going to give it a whirl. So if you can, if you're listening now, whether that's on the podcast or you're going to be watching this on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you can share it on your social media, that would be a massive help for us. We're only small, so the more listeners that can help us spread the word, and help more people get involved and have a laugh with us. Um, that would be massively appreciate by, appreciated by all of us. So, with that, thank, thanks for your time, mate. Cheers, You'll be back Paul. With Enjoy that. Week. Good man. Oh, Good yes, week. yes, yes. Okay, fantastic. So, thank you, everyone. Um, look after yourselves. As, as Tank said, it will be me, him, and Christy will be back with you next week. But until then, have a great week. Mind yourselves, and we'll be back with you again on the Boot Room Podcast. <laughs>